Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The champions of grooming are here to save your balls. Let's be real. We all know Manscaped is the world champion of below-the-waist grooming. The Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 will have you feeling sleeker than Ronaldo with a shirt off. Just make sure you're keeping your Man City under control. You wouldn't want to get yourself in a scoring position just to have your Lionel messy balls blow it for you harder than PSG in a second-leg fixture. Come and get the best ball products your money can buy on with the code SPURS20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on your order the package stars their redesigned electric trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 the performance package also comes with a weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer used a crop cleanser to clean your body the crop preserver to stay fresh and the crop reviver to give your balls a boost at half time get 20% off free delivery with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com that's 20% off free delivery with the code spurs20 at manscaped.com We've some exciting news for you and a chance to win some money for nothing. Betmate is a brand new social fantasy football betting app that allows you to test your knowledge against other football fans, build your own seven-a-side football team and win real money at betmate.app. Betmate offer daily public games for you to play, such as head-to-head games over a single fixture, or you can create your own game and set your own stake and test your skills against your own Betmates. To kick things off, if you haven't signed up for free yet, sign up at the link in the description to this podcast and play the free pot game and one of you will win up to £100. Or play the Brentford v Spurs game and a £5 entry can win you £250. Another point is that on Betmate you get points for tackles and interceptions rather than just goals and assists, which finally makes Hoybjerg a valuable pick. You can read more on the rules at any time from their mobile app. Last week's points for the Brighton game were uh, goalkeeper Lloris, four points. Defender Romero was the top-scoring Tottenham defender with eight points, thanks to six tackles and an interception. In midfield, Hoiberg was the highest-scoring Tottenham midfielder with seven points, two tackles and three interceptions. And up front, Son was the highest-scoring forward with four points. So click the sign-up link on the description to this show and good luck. Welcome to the Spurs show, everyone. This is Theo Delaney in North London with another edition. Uh, and it's uh, getting closer to the showdown with the goons. And we're getting closer to know whether we're going to make the top four. And that is why Tottenham fans everywhere 
uh, in a state of some flux, I would say, this week. That was That's the word I would use. I've got three brilliant people to help me pick the bones out of last weekend and try and work out what's going to happen uh, next weekend and beyond. Welcome back, Simon Sheffer. How you doing, Theo? Pleased to meet you, see you. Yeah, good to have you aboard, Simon. Uh, welcome, Kirsty Lee Richardson. How are you, Kirsty? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Obviously, I could be better if we got those three points at the weekend, but I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> yes, yes. And live from Toronto, Brian Daigle. Have I said that right, Brian? You know what? Unbelievably, you have. You're one of the few that go into an elite club of saying the surname bang on first time. Uh, oh, you're in a VIP elite club. I'm so <laughs> I'm so chuffed. I'm actually slightly regret asking if I'd said it right now because <laughs> I said it right. I could have just just said it casually as if that was the most. Normal. Well, anyway, welcome. You're you're speaking to us from uh, a city I love, as I said to you before we went on there, Toronto. And I've a- actually I've actually watched. Uh, I've done quite a lot of work in Toronto, and I've watched Tottenham in Toronto with the Toronto Spurs uh, in more than one different bar. I think it was quite a long time ago. And one of the games I watched was the gr- one of the greatest games played at White Hart Lane, which was the the night Bale basically took apart, dismantled the European champions into Milan. I watched that in a bar in Tokyo. You might have been there, Brian. I, I wasn't there because I've only been here four years living, but you're the we the main bar we have now, I don't know if you went to, it's called the Scotland Yard. Yeah. Which has become the most famous pub outside of Tottenham for Tottenham fans on YouTube. Um, and then they also used to have another one called Scallywags, which was in uh, another area. But the main one now is, is the Scotland Yard. But yeah, there's a big, big, big Spurs following here. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you what, because uh, this is what we do with newcomers. What was your first ever game you saw Tottenham? The first ever game live I saw. Yeah. Uh, There's a funny story. I can remember, I went with, it was in the 89-90 season, so the season we signed Gary Lineker. And it was in the, the Simod Cup or the, whatever the Worthington and Carabao Cup was yeah. called back yeah. in the day, the Littlewoods Cup, whatever, it's had so many name changes. And we were away at Tramia, and I can't remember, we were either 2-0 down or 2-0 two, uh, up. And my dad said, you know what, if this game goes to a replay, I'll take you to the match. And then in the final 10 minutes, the other team scored two goals. It went to a replay. And I went to my first Spurs match. I think I was like nine or 10 years old and we won 4-0. So it was Brilliant. A great, great. What about you, Kurt? Steve, what was yours? So mine was actually quite recent. Um, my first Spurs game was the, unfortunately, it was the Middlesbrough game where we got knocked out of the cup. Um, oh, it was, over yes, oh, the it away was a, game. Yeah, yes, it was only last month. And yeah. to be honest, I wasn't too sure like what to expect because obviously we've not actually going to a game before. But um, yeah, the away fans was absolutely incredible. Like obviously, despite the fact that we did very poorly, um, there was just constantly chanting. Like the atmosphere yeah. was incredible. Like there was just so loud. And yeah. my friend Matt, um, he went with me, and he's actually a he listens to your show like, all the time. He's been a massive supporter of your channel for years. So um, he'll be tuning in tonight as well, listening. <laughs> he sounds like an absolutely brilliant bloke. <laughs> what an absolutely yeah, top man. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, the, the game obviously didn't go our way because we no. lost 1-0 in extra no. time. But... No, uh, yeah, it's all, it's, it's all too fresh in the mind, that one, Kirsty. Yeah. Simon, have you been asked that question on this show? Asked it the first time when I made my debut. Okay. Leicester City, 1974. Right. 
Right. That, that, that's more like my era for a first game. Mine was 1971, but I was only five. There you go. Well, that's all that taken care of. Now, but, um, we'll we'll get into your your uh, her game two campaign, Kirsty, later, and also Brian. I know you've got a, a Tottenham channel over there in Toronto, but let's get straight to let's get straight into the meat and potatoes, and let's talk about what happened on Saturday because Saturday was uh, a rude, what you might call a rude awakening from our. Uh, from the very, very pleasant dream we were all living through at the time. We all turned up on uh, Saturday quite early, of course, that may, which may have had something to do with the, what, what transpired. Expect it. I mean, Brighton are a good team. There's respect for Brighton. They'd beaten Arsenal the, the week before. And obviously, Graham Potter's a, a rated young manager. Uh, he's been linked with our job uh, whenever, it, whenever there's a vacancy, which is all too frequently, of course. But uh, I don't think any of us expected such an insipid Tottenham performance what did you make of it Kirsty? well to be honest I was shocked as well but Brighton they seemed very organized like they was ready for us but I wonder if that's because maybe we're too easy to predict and it's got me thinking like we've got obviously Brentford this week will they be maybe looking at what Brighton have done and think the same um I did get a bit confused as to why Bergvan didn't come on until literally pretty much the end of the game I think he should have definitely come on before Winks and I thought the ref was a bit of a well he let a lot go pretty much Potter. yeah yeah to put it <laughs> to put it straight yeah he was a bit of a, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. especially with uh, is it Mawapu I can't really pronounce his name yeah yeah I know he obviously pissed he a lot of away, us off got away with yeah. a lot yeah yeah Simon what, what did you did you see it? were you surprised were you shocked no, they done a job on us yeah uh, we just very high. We, we we should have been knocking the ball longer. Got Kane right up the pitch and pushed our fullbacks on. Um, what Kirsty said was right. The referee was had a stinker. Yeah. He was the referee who the famous Manchester City goal. He was the fourth official, and you've obviously seen the the video of him. His face dropped when Kane scored the winner. Um, I, I don't know. I, I felt he refereed so poorly. From the first minute, the goalkeeper was wasting time and 50,000 people can see it and whistling and making their things No, And he's not interested, not interested. Uh, I just think it was a bad day at the office. The ball didn't run for us and they done a job on us. And we could have played till 12 o'clock at night and still not scored. We never looked like scoring. No. Had a shot on target. We never made the goalkeeper work. It was just a total... Bad day at the office. But on the long run, if you look at the four games before that, if you had said out of four out of five, we would have taken maximum points. Most people would have said, yeah, we'll take that and we can yeah. take that. And there was no lasting damage because obviously the results, sort of, apart from Man United, went our way. Yeah. Brian, uh, there have been a few theories been put forward as to what, what actually happened. But, you know, people talk about early kickoffs not suiting us, but it's the same for both sides. Obviously, in Brighton, have had to travel. People talk about uh, Conti gave the players three days off uh, in between after the Villa game, and and that maybe people think, well, maybe they've 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 slightly you know eased back. The intensity has been diffused because of that. People talked about Harry Kane going off to see the Masters golf in Georgia, and he looked very listless uh, during the game. And some people have talked about that dirge that they play before the kickoff, which is Barry Manilow's. <laughs> can't smile without you which you know 
music's a subjective thing. So just because I think that's a, a, a terrible, bland old dirge, that doesn't mean it is. But one thing's for sure, it's not exactly arousing. I mean, you might as well play Moldy Old Doe by Lieutenant Pigeon or, or Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. What do you put it down? What do you put that insipid performance down to, Brian? Uh, there's a few things I, I put it down to. I mean, those, those rumours uh, and those kind of bits that people have been saying, I mean, the Can't Smile Without You, I mean, it, it's not It's not. Uh, you'll never walk alone, is it? It's not one no. to get you rousing and up and, and uh, pumped up for the game. So it, I can't see it being that at all. Harry Kane with Augusta, listen, if, if he had scored a hat-trick... No one will be mentioning it. In fact, we'll be telling him to fly back to Augusta every single week. Well, of course, um, but he didn't look anything close to scoring a hatch. That's the problem, isn't it? And, and is that because he, he'd he flown halfway around the world and maybe had a touch of jet lag, touch of fatigue, and, and it had, you know, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? The only, the only thing I, I, I rule out with that hurricane one, forget the if he scored a hat trick. It's not like he, he has to check in three hours early and sit in economy and. Uh, oh no, no, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's first class, private jet in out. Um, yeah, and obviously being here in Canada, flying back to England and only only going there for a couple of days. It's it, it's too quick to I would say really affect the jet lag. But where okay. where, yeah. where where I think the problems lie is we are playing two wing backs at the moment who are not wing-backs. They were bought as a left-back. They were bought as a right-back under a different manager. Um, and they can't do their job. They can't do... If you look at Sessegnon, when he plays, and no injury is a bit of a concern, you just got to look at that Leeds game when he set up Doherty with a crossover. He seems to understand this wing-back role better. I think Regulon is a better left-back than he is left wing-back. Um, and the same is definitely for Emerson with right-back. And it comes down to when you've got Tanganga... And then Doherty, who, how how typical is that? He just finds a bit of purple, a purple patch of form, gets his confidence back, wallop, out you go. Um, and again, the injury with Skip and not having a, a the, the the lack of depth on the bench, and, and it, like you said in the in the beginning, and like Simon said, you cannot knock what Bryson did. You can They came here and they had they had a job to do. They said, right, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to sit here and do what we've got to do, and yeah. they did their job absolutely bang on the money yeah yeah i mean um I, you know the injuries uh, i totally agree about the wingbacks you know regulon and 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 emerson were signed they're fullbacks they were fullbacks they they've, they've never really played wingback as far as i know they always played fullback in their previous clubs when they signed they signed uh for a nuno plan and nuno for reasons best known to himself had abandoned wing backs a season one full season before he'd had great success with them at Wolves but he decided he was a back four man so he's selling full backs and here they are well actually that's I mean Regulon was signed the year before by by Mourinho but Mourinho was also starting mostly with the back four so uh but Doherty of course is is a wing back because during that golden spell that uh, Nuno had with wing backs he was the outstanding wing back at Wolves so you're absolutely right about that and so losing the one specialist wing back we've got is a problem the only thing I would say though is that the other clubs uh Arsenal in particular uh who have a thinner squad than ours have got worse injury problems they've lost Tierney who's one of their probably you know arguably their best player and they've lost Partey uh in the midfield they've got no one really to replace him so uh, obviously they've uh, they've <laughs> They've got rid of the kicked old Aubameyang out, 
And they've only got Lacazette up front who stopped playing and said this week that I really I'd quite like to get out and go to a proper Champions League club for the rest of my career, if that's right. He's actually said that in the running. Can you believe it? So uh, we have had, we are, we are unfortunate, but perhaps that's, but no more unfortunate perhaps than our rivals. I've seen today that both the Standard and the Mail this afternoon have run stories saying that Spurs remain the team most likely to clinch top four. Are you still confident, Kirsty? Mm, I don't know. It depends really because I've seen Man United's fixtures and I think that tonight's game against Liverpool, I can't see them winning it. So I think we're lucky in that sense. But um, I think we just need to kind of keep this mentality going that we're going to get, we're going to remain in top four and the players just really need to stick at it. It's just a shame that, like you say, we've obviously got Doherty out for the rest of the season because obviously, to me, he's been better than Emerson. And just literally going from what Brian said, the wing-backs do need upgrading um, again if we can. Yeah, but obviously that's top not, yeah. not going to happen anytime four, soon. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, top four, I think that it's ours if we can keep the morale going. I think... The other day was maybe just a blip. Um, I'm hoping it was just a blip. We've obviously got Arsenal at the end of the month. I don't know why, but I've just got this gut feeling that that game's going to be the make or break for the fourth position. Yeah, well, a lot but of people obviously, are saying... I hope that that's not the case, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hope, I mean ideally by then it'll be... We were already yeah, hopefully we'll away. be ahead, yeah. I mean, this is a crucial week because like you say, Manchester United, as we record this on early evening on Tuesday, tonight Manchester United play Liverpool. They get beat tonight. They'll be well off the pace. And most people, most uh, objective observers say they're just not up to it anyway. They are a, a real, real sort of a bit of a shambles. Arsenal play twice more before we play them again. They play Chelsea tomorrow. Tough game, obviously. That Chelsea, although Chelsea have been have had distractions, but they're through to the cup final now. Now they can concentrate on the league, and you feel like you like to think they'll get themselves up for that. And you know, on, a, on any ordinary day, all other things being equal, Chelsea should beat Arsenal, and then Arsenal and United play on Saturday. So one of those teams will drop points if not both of them, if it was a, if it was a low-scoring draw. And suddenly, so, I mean, if Arsenal only get one point between now and Saturday, they'll have played more games than us then and they will uh, still be behind. So you can see why the, the standard and the male are relatively optimistic. Our only really tough game is against Liverpool away, unless you count the Arsenal game. I mean, Arsenal at the moment look rubbish. But um, Simon, if you were a betting man, would you, who would your money be on for top four? Definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm confident. I just I've seen things in the last four or five games to convince I just think it was a bad that even the goal we conceded was a if you see the ball it bounced off Romero, yeah. it could have gone any better for the geezer. Romero yeah. everything happened on Saturday, as I said to you, after seventy-five minutes, said to the guy next to me, take the point, let's yeah. get out. Yeah. I thought it looked like a nil-nil game to me after yeah. about after about 20, 25 minutes, I thought, I've got a feeling this is going to be nil-nil. And either side could have just got a slightly fluky last-minute winner, couldn't they? Well, yeah, of course. Listen, we, we you know, we, what we've got is what we've got. We can forget about upgrading the full-backs, which everyone knows we need until the end of the season. Forget, what we've got is what we're playing with now until the end of May or the middle of May. Um, I'm convinced we're going to get top four because I think Arsenal have not thrown the towel in. But I'm I'm sure they're going to get beat tomorrow. 
and then both teams can't win on Saturday. And it's up to us, as the song goes. It's up to you, you Lily Whites. Um, but we, we, we've got to got to get our heads down, get back on the bus, and start winning games of football again. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Good. Well, that's good. That's a good. That could be a good note on which to take a, a little break then. So we're back from the break. Now, um, I should remind you that for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Spurs show live season ticket events this season. Sign up at season.spursshow.net. You can sign up for this season. Terry Dyson and Cliff Jones next week are discussing the 60-61 season, ably supported by Norman Giller, who will be discussing his official biography of Jimmy Greaves as well. A uh, few extra tickets to non-season ticket members are available for it at billetto.co.uk. That's really not to be missed. This recording will only be available to our Patreon subscribers, by the way. Uh, our end-of-season Spurs show will be at the 100 Club on May the 26th with Ardiles and Vilia. Also tickets available at that, for that at billetto.co.uk. The end-of-season party, much like the Christmas party, is always brilliant and uh, we always have a great time. Uh, so I definitely recommend that. And, of course, Ozzy and Ricky, brilliant company. And we'll also be putting on an event, by the way, at the JW3 Community Centre on May the 11th with Martin Chivers, Pat Jennings, Alan Mallory and Steve Perriman. That's uh, tickets for that at jw3.org.uk. And if you're not in London, this event has live streaming tickets available too. So I think they're a tenner, I think. So that would be well worth it. Because again, I think you'll only get to see the video of that if you are on Patreon or if you buy one of those live streaming tickets. tickets. So get over to jw3.org.uk to find out about that. Uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and please leave us a nice review on iTunes. That's really helpful. Or I, th- I believe it's now called Apple Podcasts. Uh, there's merchandise available. There is a brand new Hoon Son and Anti- Antonio Conte design. Uh, and there are also the old Woolwich Wanderers classic, the Hoddle, the Aussie, the Chivers, the Bale, the Greaves, and the Mackay designs. We've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, and phone covers. Links on the description to this podcast next week as i say it's a live it's a special live one try and get along to it uh but if you can't uh you'll hear mike lee pete hayn martin lipton norman giller terry dyson cliff jones all in the house uh and that's it that is it now i know uh, i wanted to ask you kirsty about her game too Tell us about that and your role, your role as the Tottenham representative. Yeah, of course. So the campaign itself was only founded 10 months ago. So we have been around for under a year. And considering we've got over 100 partners, it's absolutely incredible. I don't think any of us, especially the co-founders, I don't think anyone expected it to be as big as it is in such a short space of time. And we are basically a voluntary group of female supporters. So we're all really passionate about football and obviously want to work together to like eradicate sexism in the footballing industry and we basically just want women and girls of literally all ages to feel confident and safe like whether that's at the games if they're playing supporting working and or sharing their opinion online because we do know that sexism kind of does happen just everywhere some of the reports we've got uh the the shocking like you wouldn't even think that it would be a thing 
Um, obviously, I'm a mum of two girls and my eldest, she's only four, but she plays football. So as well, like being a part of it, I just want to kind of be like a, a big role model to her as well. And just to, so if she was to continue like pursuing like the football inside of things, um, just so that way she knows it's okay. Cause I don't want her to ever feel like she shouldn't be doing it or or that she's wrong for doing it or anything like that. Um, so my role as an ambassador, basically, it's I just represent the campaign um, for obviously the club as well and the message behind it. Um, so I attend meetings at the moment because we don't actually have a partnership in place with Spares yet. Um, a lot of the meetings are done via Zoom. Um, it's a lot easier to do it this way as well. So I've had quite a few meetings with people both at the club and in connection with the club. The supports just especially have been absolutely fantastic and um, getting us in contact with the right people. I've got a few meetings this week actually as well. Um, I would also like report back regularly about any experiences or if anyone comes to me or I've got two advocates and um, I've got Ashley Porter and Matt Hayes. So if anyone comes to either of us and basically they've experienced any form of abuse, we would take it further if that person wanted us to like we would report it to the club um or those associated with like the right point of call and we would kind of just like knuckle it down and kind of prevent it from happening again in the future so basically just report back regularly and just communicate any ideas really that we've got that'll help support the fans campaign and the club because obviously we want to ideally obviously we've got a lot of aims so we do want to um educate people like we don't want anyone to ever get offended by anything that we're doing because we're only here to help as I say we are volunteers as well um so we just want to create that kind of like awareness and develop like a strong sense of community really as well yeah you said that you didn't have an official partnership with Tottenham is it the case that yeah. some some clubs do do have an official partnership with the organization but some clubs haven't yet sort of climbed aboard is that it yeah, um, so spares are open to the idea. Obviously, we've just got to get a few things in place first um, just to see how we can work with... They're, they're, they've been amazing about it. Um, obviously, spares have got a lot already in place. Like, we've got the kick-it-out scheme and things like that. So we just kind of need to see how we can all work together. Um, but, yeah, I can see it happening in the future. It's just a case, really, of how we're going to go about it. But they've been incredible. Like, they're really open to the idea as well. Um, but, yeah, we... In terms of like Premier League clubs, we're currently partnered with uh, Brentford, Everton and Leeds United. We've got a lot as well that are pretty much done. We just kind of need to get around to sealing the deal really with some of the clubs. Sure. So um, I guess the the ultimate aim is to get every, get an official link with all of them. And actually you've done yes, pretty well in, yeah. from a standing start in 10 months. That is pretty, pretty impressive to already have three official link-ups and all the others, you know, making big progress. So I guess yeah, once, once you've got them all, then you can, then that'll give the, the whole thing weight, won't it? And, uh, and, and so there's a representative like you for each club, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically it. Um, so, at the minute, we don't have one for every um, Premier League club. We've got quite a lot in the Championship and League One and things. Um, but most of the Premier League clubs, we have got ambassadors like myself. And then we, us as ambassadors, can have our own like little team. Like like I said, I've got um, Ashley and Matt. So those two will also help me um, gather reports or anything, and just kind of like spread the word about the campaign and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and how do we so find out? How do listeners find out more? They just uh, is there a website or something? Yeah, so we have an official website. It's um, www.hairgame2.com, and we also have an Instagram account and a Twitter, which is just at hairgame2. But I have recently this week, um, uh, last week, sorry, I've made a Twitter and an Instagram account for Spurs fans, like dedicated to hairgame2. So it's at H-G-T, so like Hair Game 2 for short, and then underscore T-H-F-C. So it's pretty easy to find. Um, and then, yeah, people can just, like, Spurs fans especially, if they didn't want to report on our website, like, they can just message the pages directly and we can, Great. like, support them that way. I've already followed it on Twitter. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I'll follow you back. <laughs> right. So... So that's great. So that's all good to know. So Brian, what's what's your channel over there in uh, Toronto? Yeah, no, well, well, well I, I do a lot of work with the We Are Tottenham TV boys. I'm a regular on, on their show. Um, and Ben and Simeon, as I call them, the mothership, um, have always been uh, very, very helpful. So, so myself and another Brian, Brian Island here and uh, two people back home, Adam Clark and Danny Kiriakou, have our own YouTube channel called Tottenham, called Tottenham on Tour. We've also got a Twitter handle and Instagram handle, Tottenham on Tour, where we just uh, we do a regular podcast uh, every Tuesday. We're doing one this evening, and we just generally do a lot of Tottenham content. There's a lot more to come from us, but we're we're very very passionate Spurs fans. Um, we're over four thousand subscribers now. We've only been going since uh, August. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what we're doing at the moment. It's a channel called Tottenham on Tour. Great. Well, you are the hardest working man in Tottenham show business if you're going on straight onto another podcast after this. Blimey. Fair play yeah, to you. another one this morning. Oh, my God. Gee. Yeah, it's non-stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know respect. What, moment, you know what it is, Theo, as well? Being out of work at the moment, I'm currently looking for work. Right. See that you're just sitting in a home and because of COVID and everything, being able to, to dr- drift away from what's going on in the world and just talk Tottenham, it's kind of for mental health reasons been been a saviour. Like these channels like yourself and all these other podcasts and other YouTube channels, it's done so much for people's mental health. And also I'm a, I'm a, a big advocate for it. We do mental health specials where we donate money to charity. Um, we did one back in February. Um, so, yeah, it, it's been a good it's, – it's, it's actually I, I jump into as many as I can just to, yeah. to keep myself busy. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a role that football and and all of, all these peripheral things around football plays for a lot of people, and I think it does for me certainly. Let's talk now about the future. Let's talk about the future. And when I say the future, I'm talking about the near future because this weekend, uh, as I say, Arsenal will have already played twice by the time this happens. We travel to Brentford, a game I was really hoping I haven't been to that stadium yet. When I, I grew up uh, in Brentford. And I used to go and see him when I was a little boy. And I really wanted to go to this. But the tickets are gold dust because it's such a little stadium, the new Brentford Stadium. Uh, you can't get them. I can't remember what the loyalty point requirement was, but it was absolutely top, top, top. Simon, are you going? Couldn't get a ticket, same as you, Theo. Yeah. Enough points. Luckily, uh, it's on the telly. Yes. Yeah, how, how are you feeling about it? I think, I think we'll win. I'm always confident anyway, but... Uh... I think they'll let us play. And also, on my theory of law of averages, they're due to lose. Right. Okay, they, that's good. They, I like it. The, they won the last three. They're not going to win four on the trot. Yeah, seems unlikely. On the other hand, they are a good side. They've got a fantastic number 10 who seems to be... He, they got him in the window and he is absolutely transformed. He seems, he's world-class. 
and he's like making chances for fun. I can't believe it. And that is what's turned him around. Yes. Uh, yes. Ericsson, his name is, I think. I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is also they've beaten Chelsea and they've beaten Arsenal. And my God, wouldn't they love to complete the big. I, don't, I think they've beaten, I think they might have been West Ham as well. Obviously, yes. that's not quite the same, but. They beat West Ham last yeah. game, but yeah. I'm confident, you know. But we've got we've got to play well. We've got to we've got to play well, and the last few away games we have played well. Yeah, I mean, do you think he'll stick with the same team? I mean, uh, because he has stuck with the same team. Do you think the fact that we've now lost might make him rethink a couple of positions? Uh, possibly, it might play Sessegnon. I think he likes Sessegnon. I think he might play Sessegnon. Instead of Regulon, um, I think it's a toss of a coin between them both. Unfortunately, he's probably a better footballer, but he's unfortunately he's made a glass, um, and that's that's the problem. With him. That's the only change I foresee. Right, Brian, do you do you foresee problems at, at uh, Brentford? Unfortunately, I do. I've just for about four or five weeks now. I. I am actually more worried about this game than I am Anfield, and the wow. reason I am, uh, and the reason I say that is like, like uh, Simon was saying before, you got to remember as well. Not only did they beat the filth, as I call them, uh, on the opening day of the season, um, one of the best games of the season, bar our uh, wins at Leicester and Man City that I was at, um, was the three-three against Liverpool that they had at the very beginning of the season, and then obviously you look at that game where they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, rather than teams sitting back off them and being worried it's Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, they're like, no, 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 we're going to go at them. And really, and they really concern me. It's like, I've just got a really bad feeling. Not a bad feeling for defeat. I said for about three, four weeks, I think it's going to be a draw. Um, I am worried about this game. Now they can't go down as well. It's going to be like a party atmosphere there. You mentioned Christian Eriksen. Chances of him getting a free kick and actually not hitting the wall is, is 10 out of 10. Because uh, it's against us, but where Simon was saying about the changes, well, I actually, I actually think what he could do is he could drop uh, drop um, Emerson and put Sessegnon as a right wing back. Not that I, I kind of think we need Emerson as a right wing back because he is that is or right back is, is his position. But if we had the chance, I would definitely start Sessegnon over Regulon. But that, I think that's the only change we can actually make if you look at that team. Yeah, that actually makes sense right now because we're we're down to bare bones. Yeah, and I think that's the only change that he could he he's got to look at the fullbacks. Yeah, it's a worry actually because you're right. If you you look at that team, you think, and it's been going so well. Obviously, you know the the, the blip on Saturday, but the pr- previous you know dozen games all playing very very well, getting results, scoring for fun. But you do look at very, almost every position. You you fear uh, an injury because there's no one good enough. Uh, apart from the wing back, Sessignon is a good, uh, it, it, it is a comparable option. But you look in midfield, Skip's not fit. So you're looking straight at Winks, who is a downgrade on the two midfielders. You look at the front three. I like Bergwijn and I like Lucas Mora. I think it's possible they could come in and do well. But at the moment, you certainly wouldn't make that change if you if it wasn't forced. And it's the same with the back three. I, I, I worry, you know, I don't think Dyer and Davis are our top, top draw, but, you know, Rodon, who looks like a good player when you do see him, he, he's so lacking in experience at this level. 
And after that, who, who is there? I mean, you know, Tanganga's injured. Oh, well, there's Sanchez, of course, but Sanchez is is okay. But it's a worry. It's a worry. That's what worries me more than anything about the running is injuries. Uh, because I think this team, this first 11, the one that he's, he's settled on, is capable, well capable of doing it. But two or three key injuries, I mean, up front, I mean, Kane, obviously, is like, I mean, you shudder to think, and he hasn't had a big injury this season. No. Every time I even bring it up, people say, don't even say it, don't even say it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, how would you, you, do these things worry you, Kirsty? Can you see us? I mean, how many how many injuries do you think we could withstand and still and still be serious con- contenders? Well, hopefully, you've not just jinxed us with Kane. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, God. Yeah. Hopefully, we won't have any more injuries because we don't have many games left. I'm just, to be honest, I'm hoping that with the Brentford game, obviously, I absolutely love Ericsson. I'd take him back in the summer. If, Obviously, he'd come back to us, but the way Brentford are going at the minute it makes me think, would he come back? Um, I'm hoping that the players don't, obviously, because of all the history and things, I'm hoping that they don't deliberately go soft just because everything that's happened. I'm hoping that they look at Ericsson like they would any other player. Yeah. And well, he's the main threat, isn't he? He's their best yeah, player. That's, got, that's got exactly to, it. Yeah. yeah. He knows our, he knows a lot of our um players' strengths as well and weaknesses, especially yeah. um with him playing with Hoybier as well in for Denmark. Yeah. He knows as well what he's capable of. So we just to be honest, we just need to bring it out and we just need to go at it. And yeah, I'm just really, really hoping that we don't fall flat again like we did last weekend. It seems unlikely that Conti would allow that, doesn't it, Simon? Mind yes. you, having said that, when you remember those back-to-back defeats home against Southampton and Wolves, it's it's not without precedent. But you like to think that Conti now he's got them tuned like a like a well-tuned machine that playing exactly how he likes them. You like to, you would like to think that Conti will have them right bang up for it, wouldn't you? I'd like to think so. Obviously, the two games you mentioned was just after the window where yeah. we saw. Two players who have sort of automatically upgraded the team. No question about that. Um, I'd like to think this manager is... I just really think it was a blip on Saturday. A bad blip. But I feel these players... You know, we've, we, we're only playing once a week. There's no excuses for injuries. All teams get injuries. All teams get... And, and possibly will get an injury... Um, and we're going to miss the last four or five games, but that's the way football is. You can't, you can't worry about it. You just got to get on with it. You just got to get on with it. And, and hopefully all being well, we'll be in champions league. Everyone will be happy and we can upgrade where everyone knows, everyone knows where we need to upgrade. What you said, uh, Dyer and Davis, definitely. I like uh, Davis is okay. Steady Eddie. Um, we definitely need a left-sided centre-back of yeah. quality if there was a one out there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm confident, um, and I think we'll beat Brentford. Brian, would you take Ericsson back? Oh, do you know what? There's, there's quite... <clears throat> I, I, when we had him, I loved him. I absolutely adored him. But obviously, the final 18 months yeah. was not good. Was not good. And then, yeah. obviously, all that's happened with him, and he's come out... You can't deny that he's transformed Brighton. Um, Brentford. Uh, Brentford, sorry, my bad. And Brighton, uh, Brentford. actually. <laughs> you yeah. know how he managed uh, that. 
So he's transformed. You, you can see the guy oozes class. He just oozes class. And most importantly, it's fantastic to see him even being able to play football again. So that's the, that's the number one thing. Yeah. But <clears throat> my, my, would I take him back? I think I would. I think I would, especially if he's on a free. But but the, the bigger question for me is, would he come back? Because obviously he left under the, we're not challenging for anything, what's going on? And again, yeah. he'll work for a club. And we saw what Harry Kane said last season and what he wanted. It's, it's a real big window, but if, if he's available for free and he wants to stay in London, it's got to be a no-brainer really, hasn't it? My my only worry about him, well, I've got a couple of worries. One is, yeah, you shouldn't really go back, especially if it ended it, as it ended a bit flat. But on the other hand, if he's, a, if he's on a free, he's such a top-class player, he's a bargain. But I don't really see a place for him in, in this team and this setup because if you look at the attacking players, they're one either side of Kane and they're they're quite sort of pacey and robust and and Ericsson needs to play in a team, I would have thought, where you where, where there's an obvious number 10 vacancy. And he doesn't seem to play really with a number 10 content. I know he had I know he had him in Milan, but he didn't he didn't like him to begin with. I suppose he, in Milan he played him either side of uh, Lukaku. But anyway, why? Want, I did want to ask you, Brian, whether you thought that you're confident that Levy will put his hand in his pocket this summer. Okay, so to keep this clean, I'm going to keep this. Uh, I am Daniel Levy's number one nemesis. Um, I have been Levy out since Martin Yol was sacked at half time. Um, if you remember all the people going to the training ground during January that was spearheaded by myself, a guy called Graham and Ryan Isaacs. Um, I, I, I don't trust the man. I, I don't trust him to tell me the time. Um, it's just always fake promises and empty uh, and just broken promises and, uh, and lies. Um, I, I don't have any faith. I'm, I'm afraid to say, listen, I would love to come on any channel and any show and I, I, I go everywhere and everything I say is leave you out. There is nothing more then I would love to do and come in and say, do you know what, Levy proved me wrong. It's what, what right. I, it's really, I'm dying so, to say that. Brian, you, you've gone right off there. I was warned about this. and uh, <laughs> But what I was going to say is, but what about, if you remember, the cast your mind back to the actual, do you think he'll spend money this summer? He's got Conti. He's got a chance to step on. Do you think he'll spend money? So uh, the answer is no. But, but, okay. but when, I want to elaborate on that just a little bit. When I, what, people keep thinking with Conte, it means you have to spend 200, 300. Yeah. But he, do, he doesn't do that. He didn't do it at Chelsea. He didn't do it at Inter. What he finds is he identifies players. And like let's say a De Vrij, who is getting on a bit. I don't. If, if he said, I want De Vrij, don't say I'm going to buy one for the future or uh, a, 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 a wannabe. Go get, forget the resale value. Get what Conte wants. It doesn't matter about the value. It's what this man wants. Mm. Okay. Uh, Simon, what do you think? Do you, do you, well, how, how, where are you on Levy, just broadly speaking? Oh. Um, split down the middle. But I'm, yeah. I'm one of these guys who, you know, our two biggest, what we spent the money on, and everyone on Dembele, 45 million, 40 million. Yeah. And everyone's, their pants about him and it just never came off the cell so Sanchez we can go on and on and it's all about recruitment yet when these two guys and I'm not saying they're the finished articles these two guys in the January window no one was waiting at Hotspur away for them for the vans to arrive or the cars and they never probably sold one shirt but these two guys it's not all about spending money it's getting the right players in the right positions you don't have to go and spend like Lukaku 
Chelsea supporters can't get, wait to get rid of him and they spend 90 million on him. I know it's a difficult game. It's all about getting the right players at the right players. You know, we're, we're never going to compete with Manchester City. Forget about it. We're not going to compete with Newcastle next year or Chelsea. Well, Chelsea, whatever. But we've got to buy the right players. <laughs> the best pound-for-pound pound player in the Premier League was Angolo Kante. When they signed him from Leicester, £5 million. Brilliant. No one, no one jumped up and down about him. It's all about yeah. getting the right players. And there is players out there you don't have to spend a fortune on. Yeah, and yeah. Paradici and uh, Conte, I'd like to think, can identify where we need two full-backs, left-sided centre-back, possibly, a, well, we need a bit of creativity in midfield. That would have been brilliant for Ericsson on coming on at 60 minutes, yeah. that time, picking up the second ball and giving them something to think about. Instead, on Saturday, Kane was coming deep and, and it was and it was closing up the play, just what they wanted. Yeah. Kirsty, what do you think, who, what, what would you prioritise in the transfer market this, this summer? Um, well, to be honest, I do think that we definitely need to improve on recruitment because last at the start of this season, I thought it was ridiculous. I don't think with all of our new signings, besides, I think the only exceptions are um, Kulazewski and Benson I don't think the others have made much of an impact. But what? But what's encouraging about that, of course, is it that was the first window that we had Paratici and Conti yes. running and making the decisions. Yeah. And in fact, at the time, there was a lot of jumping up and down and fans saying, this has been a shocking window. Who are these Juventus rejects? We didn't get, you know, the, the Colombian that went to Liverpool. We didn't get yeah. the promise. We didn't get, uh, to, you know, what's his name from Wolves. It's a disaster. Traore. And now yeah. you look at it and think that was one hell of a good window because they shipped out the people that needed to be shipped out. Yeah. You know, Deli Ali, La Celso and Undombele, who were not who were, who were actually causing a bad atmosphere, it seemed, because of their perpetual uh, underachievement. And then these two that come in, suddenly they're an enormous improvement. So you have to think, yeah, I, I mean, I think we're all of the, uh, in agreement that uh, recruitment is so critically important. You look at a couple of outstanding teams. I was looking at those cup semifinals this weekend. Liverpool, they're not as rich as Manchester City or Chelsea in the, in recent years. They haven't got the same money even as Manchester United. But they have, their recruitment has been far superior. Sometimes they've spent big money, but they've spent it wisely. They don't have many, 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 many failures. And their recruitment, it's famous throughout Europe as being particularly effective. And you also look, the other team I looked at was Crystal Palace. And they've got that Doogie Friedman, who, who isn't a glamorous name. He's not a glamorous foreign name or anything, running their recruitment. I mean, there was shots of him in the stand. And you actually look at some of those players they've got there and you think, what the what was what's going on here? I mean, they, they've suddenly got many players in the England squad and they've, they've recruited very cleverly with loans and transfers. Recruitment is everything. If you're going to ever, if, you, if you're going to, uh, you know, overachieve for your budget, you need to be astute. And what happened before Paratici turned out is we had two or three years of it being, uh, you know, we've had it before where Levy had, didn't have anyone helping him with recruitment really. And it all went very badly wrong. So I guess there's reason for optimism if, because now we're going to have a, a window that isn't as difficult as uh, the January one. And we're going to have that team, Paratici and Conti making the decisions. Obviously Levy has to sign everything off, but if Levy is pragmatic enough to realize that this team can get us to where he needs us to be, which is regular Champions League football, challenging for honors, then he will surely give them the backing to a, to a large extent. You would hope that they require 
to make those good decisions really count. That's my typically uh, rose-tinted outlook. Uh, that's just, I always like to think of the best. Um, uh, you know what? I think we have, we've, uh, we cut, uh, Brian's got another podcast to go to, at least oh, one. He's hours, already done one. Few hours away. After oh, okay. Liverpool United, after Liverpool United, I have priorities. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to sit, I'm going to watch that. I'll be watching it with my headphones on in the front room while uh, my daughters and my wife's watch something entirely different. But I'm used to it. I'm used to it. But what I have to do uh, before we go, guys, is I need to make you all make a prediction for this forthcoming Brentford game. I'm going to start with you, Brian. How do you see the scoreline? Uh, I've said I've said a draw for about four weeks. I'm not going to change either a one-one or a two-two. Um, I just there's all there's just been something sticking out about this game that that I, it's like a needle that I just in the haystack, and I, I, I've just got a really bad feeling about it for a draw. Oh God, Kirsty. Yeah, I've said for a while. I think it'll be one-one, um, especially since they beat Chelsea four-one. I can't see us doing one upon them. So yeah, it'll be a draw for me as well. Simon. 3-1 Tottenham. <laughs> I hope Love you're it. right. <laughs> Love it. I do you know what I think? And again, this is I am I'm a bit uh glass half full merchant, but I just think actually I hope anyway that that Brighton result will be a wake-up call. And I think actually we're less likely to not win <laughs> after Brighton than the more like that's what I like to think. I think Conti and Kane and they'll all refocus and think, hey, listen, let's not blow this because it's ours, it's ours, it's in our hands. Because that Thank that you. vastly superior goal difference means that the actual, you know, the lead, it very much is in our hands. That's like another point. And we'll only blow it if we start dropping points in these games. And I think they'll all refocus and realize that. And I like to think they'll go out there and, and be really ruthless and strong. Uh, but, you know, that's not to say that Brentford aren't a very good team, especially with Christian Eriksen in it. Anyway, we'll see. My prediction is 2-0 Tottenham. Um, and that brings us, that brings proceedings to an end. I, I've really enjoyed this. I think it's been a, a good and comprehensive look at the state of play. So, Simon, thank you very much for returning. Thank you, Fee. I pleasure to Brian, meet you. Brian, a, a brilliant debut from you. You'll be hearing from uh, Daniel Levy's lawyers. I, I, I'm sure they're running around the block to sue me. Uh, but yeah, honestly, Theo, thank you for having me on. It was an absolute pleasure, my man. Likewise. And Kirsty, I wish you so much luck with her game too. I think you're doing brilliant work and I think we all owe you uh, our thanks. And thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me and for yeah, giving me a platform to help share the campaign. Great. Well, I'm off in two weeks, two days' time, by the way. I am the quiz master at the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust uh, annual quiz at the Antwerp Arms in Tottenham yeah, near the ground. So if anyone's uh, coming along to that, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, next week, uh, Mike Lee's in charge, as I say, and uh, Pete Hayne will be here. And I think Martin Lipton possibly. Oh, no, let me just check that. Thank yes, you, Martin Lipton's Thanks, coming back as well. So uh, until then... Uh, I wish everyone around the world listening to this a happy few days and a great experience watching the Brentford game. And all that remains for me to say is, go you Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.